Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of Lifelong Podcast. I am your host, Heidi O'Brien, and I am so excited to have you here today because it's a solo episode. And as Lifelong Podcast is a show all about making non toxic living easy and accessible for all. And I do a combination of solo and interview episodes and I am getting right back into the swing of things with a solo episode. Today, I am going to dive deep into Appeal, which is a sketch food covering slash coating that has been taking over the news cycle, social media, especially people in the holistic health world have been freaking out about this for a couple of months. And I figured what better time than now to educate about it because I myself have been seeing it rolling out in more grocery stores. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Just a little catching up to do. So for those of you who might be new here, I previously went by the name Heidi Kumjohn, and I actually just got married a month ago to my husband, and my new married name is Heidi O'Brien. So going from a complicated Armenian name to a very simple Irish name is super different for me because I'm so used to people not being able to pronounce my name, etc. So Now my name is super easy to pronounce, and honestly, nothing has changed here besides my name. Heidi O'Brien, host of Lifelong Podcast, and just really on a mission to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all because toxins are everywhere. We've never witnessed this level of toxins in our world, and it can be super scary when you start learning about these things. So I'm here to be your advocate, to be the one coming to you with the research and the information and sharing it in a way that doesn't overwhelm you, or at least I hope it doesn't overwhelm you. If you ever feel overwhelmed or have any comments about the way that I am sharing information or have questions about things that I'm sharing, my email And my DMs are always open. So you can always email me, Heidi at holisticwithheidi.com or check out us on Instagram at holisticwithheidi and at lifelong underscore pod. So I just had my honeymoon in Spain and I did an episode last year about my experience in Italy. Europe in general is so different than the U.S. when it comes to toxins and food, and it's always very eye-opening and encouraging to witness this while in Europe. So I had the great pleasure of traveling to Spain for 16 days for my honeymoon. We started in Barcelona, then we went over to Mallorca, the island, and stayed there for a week, which I do recommend staying there for at least a week so that you can explore the entire island. And from there, we went to Valencia, and then we finished in Madrid. And I honestly loved all of the places in Spain. Spain felt very, felt like a good combination of traditional and modern, which is something I feel like I crave. Not that I 
would ever move out of the States. Never say never. But yeah, Spain was just somewhere that like I could get behind living here. I can see why people move here. I just wanted to share a few just takeaways before we get into the episode because I think these takeaways would be very interesting to you in the audience because these takeaways are related to health and wellness and non-toxic living. My first biggest takeaway was to slow down and enjoy. Something wild is that in Spain, people don't eat dinner until 9.30, 10 o'clock, and they take siestas, which I always thought was just like an urban legend. Oh yeah, people take siestas, but literally if you go on the street from 4 to 7.30, and that's just the time that I'm remembering in my head, maybe there's like an actual set window, but between 4 p.m. and 7.30 p.m., literally no one is on the street. There's people on the street. But you go back out at 8 o'clock. We were going to 8 o'clock dinners, which for us, that's super late. Like, I love a 6 o'clock dinner, but we were eating at 8 o'clock there, and the restaurants were so empty, which is funny. And then when you would leave the restaurants, the streets would be filled. There would be swarms of people who, in some American cities, you would think, oh, they're like going out to drink and party. And that is not the case. These people were literally just on their way to dinner, like a casual dinner on a Monday night. And you'll see these people dining, hanging out with friends, embracing their community, drinking wine, eating food. There's not really overindulgence that goes on. The overindulgence that occurs in the States, I feel, is so different than what in Europe. For example, you just see these people any day of the week eating with friends, cheersing a glass of wine, and staying out super late just for dinner. And something I noticed is these people were never on their phones. Like they were so engaged. It was this modern and traditional thing going on where it felt like there was this real connection. Like people just were enjoying themselves. They were so present. And that kind of leads me into my second biggest takeaway, which was presence. And I just noticed that people there in Spain were so present. We went to a lot of different beaches and people were literally just taking in the sun, hanging with their families, not on their phones, like a totally different vibe. It seemed way more laid back. And another little side note, no one really wore sunglasses or sunscreen over there and or even hats like no one was in baseball caps or even sun hats. I saw maybe a couple sun hats, but it's totally different than going to the beach in the States where everyone is just spraying sunscreen on everywhere you look and breathe and there's hats and there's sunglasses and sun shirts for all the kids. Nothing against that. I don't think there is a right or wrong way for, and I'm not here to tell people how to live. For me personally, I am not afraid of the sun. And that goes for my skin and also my eyes. So it was refreshing seeing people at the beach who were on my same wavelength there. So loved that. 
presence and just reflecting on that and realizing that presence is one of the best things for our health. Thirdly, my third takeaway is to find, build, and nurture community. I noticed this particularly in Valencia and Barcelona. And in Barcelona, Barcelona is a very Catholic city. There's a lot of young families there. You'll see young parents there with tons of kids with them in strollers running around. And it seems, and then and also in Valencia, I noticed there's these little playgrounds everywhere. There's always kids playing outside, even if you're in a city. The park is totally jammed with so many kids and so many parents and everyone's talking to everyone and all the different kids are playing with each other. Even if it seemed like they didn't know each other, maybe they did. There was really just this sense of community beyond even just these kids at the playground or these people with their church. There were people, like I said, dining every single night in big groups together. And from what I know about that part of the world, there is more of an emphasis on family and community, whereas in the States, it's a little bit different. Not that we don't have that, but work is more of the priority in the States. And we even talk to a lot of people in Spain. My husband is fluent in Spanish, and I can understand a little bit. And it was interesting. We had a couple different people Spanish people ask us, hey, what is the quality of life like in Chicago? And what is it like with your crazy work life there? And it just is so different. And this leads me into my final takeaway from Spain, and that is that there is way more to life than just work. And for me, this took me 16 days to really take in and realize But since I got home, I've been doing so much reflecting for myself. I won't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but essentially, I have workaholic tendencies, and that can be very debilitating, and I'm not throwing around that term loosely. It's something that I do struggle with, and being able to see people live with more to their life than just their job was so encouraging to me that, oh my gosh, I don't need to just identify with my work. Like there is so much more to it. And of course, I love my work, especially being a podcast host for Lifelong. But life is so short. Life is so precious. And I really just got in my feels and really just started thinking about this more. So again, not going to go into all the nitty gritty details there, but just to run through big takeaways in a rapid fire list. My biggest takeaways from Spain were slowing down and enjoying, finding, building, and nurturing community, being present, and realizing that there is way more to life than work. Y'all, thank you so much for listening to my little spiel about my travels, about my marriage, and especially what I just shared, my biggest takeaways from Spain. Now let's get into the body of the episode. So like I said, today we are going to be talking about appeal and that is spelled A-P-E-E-L. You've probably seen this circulating around online. It is this new 
thing. I guess it was introduced a few years ago, but it's coming to market. Came to market this year, has been gaining traction in grocery stores, and it's being placed on produce. And again, we're going to go into all the details, but it's super sketch. And you might be wondering why. Similar to fragrance and natural flavors, Appeal does not list out all of their ingredients. So there's a the biggest red flag is the lack of transparency. But what is Appeal? So Appeal products are an extra quote-unquote peel of protection made by adding another layer of what naturally quote-unquote exists on fruits and veggies already. It cannot be washed off and it can be used in organic produce. And it's a coated varnish made to help prevent oxidation and water loss and to keep it fresh. So the goal of it is to create less waste, but at what cost? Like I said, the ingredients are not listed. The only information consumers have, and this is from Appeal's website, is that it is made of mono and diglycerides, aka seed oils. And again, there are some potentially better mono and diglycerides and some extremely terrible mono and diglycerides, but we as the consumers have no knowledge of what exactly is in this coating. This is because they won't disclose the full ingredient list. No one knows what it's made from. Another thing is they have this product called Organapeel, and it's an appeal product that's meant for organic food. It's registered with the EPA as a pesticide, a fungicide specifically. According to this registration, the active ingredient of the product is 0.66% citric acid. And if you've listened to some of my previous episodes, you know that citric acid is so scotch. Citric acid is an allowed non-synthetic inorganic food. However, the majority of Organapeel's ingredients are monoglycerides and diglycerides. So what are monoglycerides and diglycerides? They are fatty acids derived from plants. These fatty acids are used in processed foods, including ice cream, candy, gum, and even baked goods. But they are not ingredients consumers would reasonably expect to find on their fresh fruit and produce. So I understand why people are enraged. I myself am and have been very frustrated just even hearing about this because I like to go the extra mile and spend the extra dollar on the organic produce. And now you can be in the grocery store buying something organic. Unbeknownst to you, it has a coating of appeal on it. People have also been speculating that there might be some heavy metals and some other toxicants within appeal. But again, no one has any idea. This is very scary for those with allergies because the ingredients are not disclosed. Some other scary things about appeal is that appeal cannot be washed off. And like I said, it can be used on organic produce. So you could be buying your organic produce, come home to wash it, soak it in some vinegar. Appeal literally will not come off of it. Doesn't that sound the alarms? To me, it does because it makes me wonder what on earth is in this. Not only that, 
guess who the top investors for this company are. If you guessed Bill and Melinda Gates, you are right on the money. They are investors of the product, so are Oprah and Katy Perry. It makes you wonder, why are these people investing in this? And oh, they're going to say, oh, it's for sustainability and it's for less food waste. But again, at what cost? At the cost of adding toxins into our food system, having processing plants that are toxic, having consumers eating the product and being exposed to potentially heavy metals or allergens. And then what happens if you compost the peels of these products? For example, orange peels or lemon peels, you go to compost them. Now the soil is going to degrade more. You know, for me, I get frustrated when men try to play God. Like we have this fresh, beautiful, tasty, abundant, nutritious food. Why do we need to mess with it? They're messing with it because they want to make more profit. They want the products to stay on the shelves longer. They want to spend less money on inventory. It's all from a perspective of big business. It's not from a perspective of what is healthy for the consumer. So I get it. I know that you might be enraged hearing about this, reading about this, and even now just listening about this. But we're going to go into some solutions because you know that I am a big advocate for solutions, especially when sharing about problems. And before we get into those, some of those solutions, I just wanted to also share another thought that I had just while rambling all over the place. Why are we so concerned about real food going bad? It's real food. Real food is meant to go bad. This isn't fake food. Fake food is meant to be shelf stable and stay super quote unquote fresh for years. That is different than organic fresh food. But now we have some people trying to play God and say, oh, we decide that mm, avocados usually last 20 days on the store shelf. Let's make it last 40 days because I'm going to play God and I can put these chemicals on it that make it last longer. To me, like anything that strays far away from nature is just a red flag. Call me outdated. Call me whatever you want. But these are my personal beliefs. And I know that I'm not alone with those thoughts because there are so many people that are speaking up about this and questioning our food system, even now our organic food system. There are a lot of different foods that could contain appeal, but from my research and my understanding is that there are about five to six foods that you should be most cautious of with appeal. Those are avocados, apples, lemons and limes, oranges, and cucumber. So just be extra cautious when you're in the grocery store. Look at the label on the apple or avocado, for example, and try to see if it has the sticker. Unfortunately, not in all cases will there be a sticker. That's why it is really important to call your retailer, grocery stores to kind of figure out if they're even selling produce with appeal. But for a different percentage of the product, they actually will have a sticker on there, kind of like a regular produce sticker and then another one that says appeal on it. So that's one of the biggest red flags going on right now is, okay, some of the produce items have the sticker saying it has appeal, but then some of the produce doesn't, but it was labeled in the bigger box in the back of the grocery store. So 
consumers are demanding more transparency and it is totally warranted. So what we have here is essentially a food made from seed oils. However, we don't know what seed oils, plus a whole bunch of other ingredients that no one knows because the consumer is totally uninformed because Appeal will not share this information. So what can we do about it? Thankfully, there are tons of solutions on how to shop smarter and avoid Appeal. And for that, we're going to get right into it because I know that you are dying to hear some of these tips. And with that, let's get into it. One thing you can do is start contacting local suppliers and grocers. Call them up and ask if slash what produce they carry with appeal and let them know that you won't be buying their produce or shopping there if you have other options as long as they're ca carrying appeal products. And I stand for that because consumers have so much power and I think sometimes people get really angry about different policies or corruption and it's easy to think oh it's just all these corporations and politicians that have all the power that is so not true yes they have power but what is more powerful the consumer the dollar let's just not let's not just sit back and let them disrupt our food system and make people sick let's show up Let's ask questions. Let's stop supporting the companies that are pushing this junk onto people. We do have power, and it's about coming together as a community, strength in numbers, to start questioning, start standing up for what is right, and also putting our money towards things that are better for human health, the environment, and all the things. So that's number one. Call your grocers and suppliers to really get a better understanding of if they are using appeal and let them know if they are using appeal that you likely don't want to support them anymore because there are options to selling produce without appeal. Like this is a new thing. We don't need this product. It is not necessary at all whatsoever. People are going to say, oh, but it's for the environment. It's for less waste. Too bad. It's not true. Like there's always a cost to things and it's just not the answer. So I'm going to end my little mini rant there. That's number one. Number two is shopping seasonally. I love shopping seasonally because that is usually what is in more alignment with your body. There's a lot of different schools of thought out there about how Eating seasonally can be better for your body. For example, in the winter, you might be craving some more grounding foods, some warming foods like squash and sweet potato and maybe some red meat. And then in the summer, you might be craving more fresh fruits and veggies and crisp lettuce and really maybe some lighter foods, some fish, things like that, because there is an innate intelligence within us and within nature. And I think being able to shop seasonally pays homage to those schools of thought. And also, it for me, it feels in alignment with my body. And also, it's better for the environment because there's less 
transportation and gas used for it. It's also supporting my local ecosystem and economy. And it's fresher and it's going to be better for me overall. So, for example, living in Chicago right now, it's the late, well, I guess it's like mid-fall right now. And if I, I could go to the grocery store and go purchase some pineapple or I could go to my local farm stand and purchase some apples. Like I am more inclined to purchase the apples because those were grown more locally and they're also in season and they also didn't have to be shipped in from another country whereas the pineapple was shipped in from another country it could have been sprayed with some stuff to make it more shelf stable similar to appeal i don't think appeal is used on that but anyways that is just another idea there on that same note of farmers markets and farm stands i wanted to share some other options of stores to find produce that likely doesn't have appeal on it. I mean, I can't confirm or deny it. You'll have to establish those relationships and do your own research. But some good places to start are with those farm stores, farm stands, and farmer's markets. You can also get connected with the CSA. Most major cities have a lot of CSA options and I think that's very encouraging because when you think of cities, you don't really think of the country and you don't really think of farming. But if the big cities are able to have a lot of CSAs from surrounding farms, then if you live in a small town, I'm sure that you can find some local produce, some CSAs near you. And even if you have to drive 30, 40 minutes, I personally think it's worth it. There are two farm stands that I love in the Chicago slash Illinois area. One is Village Farm Stand, and that is located in Evanston, Illinois, for those that are familiar. And then there is also All Grass Farms, which is located in Dundee, Illinois, which is about an hour outside of the city of Chicago. But for me, I love making the trip out there because I know that I'm going to support local farmers. Yes, it's an hour drive, but in the grand scheme of things, that's super local. It's still from the same state and it's really, their principles are much cleaner and much healthier and more ethical. I'm just in total alignment with the principles there. And then another one that I heard of is Azure Standard, A-Z-U-R-E. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. That is apparently a great place to find bulk organic options, especially for pantry goods. And I think you can do meat on there as well, but don't quote me on it. I haven't shopped on there, but I know that they're like top notch when it comes to quality. And I cannot imagine them using any type of wax coating or appeal on it. But again, please do your research. This is just kind of a list for you to start. And lastly, co-ops. In Wisconsin, where I frequent, um, there are tons of co-op stores, which are essentially like a blending between a farm stand and a grocery store. So they're a little more uh, official than a farm stand in the sense that they feel more like a retailer. But they're less 
corporate, less commercial than a grocery store, even than a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or other quote unquote health store. So I love co-ops. Maybe do some Google searching to see if there's a co-op near you. But in summary, some ways and places to shop for food that likely doesn't have a peel or other toxic finishes on them are farmers markets, farm stands, stores, CSAs, Azure Standard, and co-ops. So something that people might be thinking is, well, I like the sound of this because it it means that my food will last longer. And if you're worried about food going bad, I have some tips for you. First of all, remember real food is meant to go bad. That is how it is designed by nature. So for starters, you could start doing smaller shopping trips, maybe a couple times a week instead of some huge hauls once a week. I think back to my travels to Europe and they have all these little markets everywhere. There's not really huge grocery stores. At least there are more small stores than the huge grocery stores. And what you'll notice is that people are shopping every single day, all times a day, and buying just a few groceries at once. Likely because a lot of people walk, have to carry it all by hand. But secondly, because the food is much fresher over there. So that's one idea. You could also try soaking your produce in a vinegar and water solution and fully drying it. So the more clean you get your produce and the drier you get it, you can actually extend its shelf life. This is particularly helpful for berries. I always like soaking berries and then drying them completely and then Storing them properly for berries, for example, I like to store those in a glass jar in the fridge. Even like with strawberries, I cut them into pieces, I cut their tops off, and I find that those just last a lot longer. But this will all be dependent on the produce that you're trying to naturally preserve. I hate to even say that word. But just make sure that you're storing your produce properly. Even with bananas and onions and potatoes, there are some nuances that you'll want to be familiar with so that you can make it last longer. For example, bananas release a certain type of gas that if you have other produce near it, it'll actually cause the other produce to oxidize quicker. So I like to store my bananas separate of my other produce. And then with onions and potatoes, those really like a cold and dry environment. And I've personally realized that they don't like being around other fruits and veggies as well. I don't know the science there. I'm sure it's related to that gas thing like the bananas. But for me, I just store my potatoes in the fridge because I realized that they were not lasting long in my apartment. And my apartment stays very hot. It's just a long story, but we're on the top floor and we're self-facing and it's very hard to keep our apartment cool even if the air conditioning is running. So for me, I found my little tips and tricks to make produce last longer. And for some reason, the potatoes do a lot better if they're stored in the fridge. So I don't know what other tips you guys have there. If you have some more for making produce lasting longer, please comment on my latest Instagram post at lifelong underscore pod. And maybe I'll create a little resource for people. So I hope you all enjoyed learning a little bit more about appeal, 
what it is, who's behind it, and how to shop smarter so that you can avoid it to the best of your ability. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.